With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. You can find out more about my work as an intuitive guide and spiritual teacher at karenhager.com. Now then. At some point, most of us stop and ask ourselves, is this all there is to my life? My guest today is Michael Westover, and he is fascinated by exploring what exactly makes life worthwhile. He's here to offer some tools, some tips about how we can stop going through the motions and start to build a life with connection, meaning, and purpose. Are you ready to meet him? Michael Westover is an author and healthcare executive who writes about practical ways to break out of a slump and find meaning and purpose in life. Michael has an MBA from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, and he lives in Southern Washington State now with his wife and five children. His new book is A Worthwhile Life, How to Find Meaning, build connection, and cultivate purpose. You can find out more about Michael and his work at echoesofmeaning.com. Michael, welcome to Out of the Fog. Thank you, Karen. I'm so glad to be with you today. How did you get interested in this area of thought and research? What, what was it that led you to this? Well, I work in the healthcare environment, but really it was about my own life. So I've, I feel like I was following what others expected from me. And I was trying to climb the social ladder and, you know, get the bigger paycheck and become more important in the eyes of the world. And at, at a certain point, I just looked in the mirror and thought, this isn't working. I feel like I'm spending way too much time watching television. And I, I have some of the accolades of the world. You know, I have a beautiful family and I have a job and I, you know, try to participate in the community, but I just feel like I was coasting. I was aimless. And so I just spent a mul multiple years diving into the research and the theory and philosophy and psychology around what exactly makes life feel worthwhile. You draw a distinction between meaning in life and purpose in life. And I feel like we, when I say we, I always mean me too. I uh -huh. feel like I often use those interchangeably. So what's What's the difference between purpose and meaning when we are examining our own life paths? I feel like this is such an important question. And I feel like if you, I've missed this in my life. And I feel like when I miss it, I go down paths that don't make, lead to a meaningful existence. So I'll, I'll, I'll define the two terms. So when it comes to purpose, purpose is something we all need. We need purpose and meaning, but purpose is to have something to do, to have something to accomplish every day. We need to wake up and have somewhere to go, to keep moving, a mountain to climb, something to accomplish, a, a family to raise, a, a job that we need to excel in. We, we each need something to do and something to accomplish. So that's purpose. But 
something different from that, and it's related, is meaning. We need to know that we matter and that we're worthwhile and that our lives are valuable. And those those two things can be related and they can actually feed off of each other. And you can you can have like something to do. You can create a product or maybe you're you're doing volunteer work and you have a goal in that volunteer work. Um, and then that can impact someone's life. And you can say, wow, this actually makes my life feel good. I feel great about this. I feel like my life is worthwhile. So although the two t- um, terms are related, they're not the same because it's possible that you could have a a purpose, like something to do and something to accomplish. But let's say you're playing a video game, you know, by yourself in a dark room for 24 hours a day over multiple years, and you have some purpose, but that purpose might not make you feel like you are worthwhile or that what you are doing is meaningful, that it matters, that you matter. As we explore and find meaning in our lives, Mm -hmm. does our purpose change? Absolutely. Um, my purpose changes all of the time, you know, depending on where I am in my life. And honestly, you can trade in, you trade in purposes as you age. Like when I, I feel like when I'm younger, when I was younger, you know, my purpose was to learn as much as I could and gain the skills um, that I needed to be a functional human being. And then I feel like in the second half of my life, it's changing more toward my purpose is to be more of a mentor. You know, maybe I have more time in my life and more resources. And my purpose can change to expending those resources on other folks around me um, and trying to make a difference. So, um, and that can become more of a purpose and it can become, you know, it can give me a, a greater sense of meaning too. And the reason I'm bringing that up is because this is what I, and what I like about your book, this is a, this is a dynamic flow of change and growth, of inspiration and seeking and trying different things. Sometimes, and I talk to people in my work who want to know, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? If I can just find that purpose and do it, then everything will be okay. Then I am coasting to my 98th birthday baby because I figured it out. And I feel like our lives are richer, better, more spirit infused than that. That as we allow ourselves to change and grow, to really look at how do we feel? Do I feel valued? Do I feel happy? Is this fulfilling me that both our purpose can, that our purpose can change as we seek meaning? Absolutely. And the research is very strong around this, that as, as folks, let's say you go through retirement, there, um, a large percentage of the people that go through retirement, they feel a sense of loss. You know, there's a responsibility associated with that. Or maybe their last child moves out of the home, they'll feel a loss of responsibility. But the research tends to show that um, that you can re- you can have take on new kinds of responsibility at different points in your life as you have different things to give. Um, maybe it's you know maybe it's less energy, but you have more time and you have more experience you could share with others. That kind of thing um, that you can take on other kinds of responsibility that can give you a, a kind of meaning, a new kind of meaning. You. We're talking about taking responsibility for other people. And you draw some interesting, wise, I think, distinctions in the book about healthy ways to take responsibility and unhealthy ways to take responsibility. And to me, those unhealthy ways are tied into that idea of, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I'm going to try to impose my will or try to control something that can't be controlled. So what are the healthy ways in which we can take responsibility for someone else? Yeah. And 
I think that is such a fascinating question and something that I, I find that I'm going to have to spend my whole life um, zeroing in on. Hmm. Um, because I think we can all imagine what an unhealthy kind of responsibility is, like you mentioned, where you know someone can maybe do something themselves and yet you have to jump in and do that thing for them. And so you're kind of holding that person back from progressing or you feel like you need to control that person's life. And so it's actually you doing the thing. And so that person's not growing. It's actually you kind of pushing forward and doing that thing for them. Um, or you can think of an unhealthy responsibility of you decide that you, um, that you're responsible for that person's happiness or, um, that all of the outcomes are dependent on you and that you need to make it happen, um, for that person. Um, I think of stories of people who've decided, you know, I'm going to take responsibility for my parents, you know, bad relationship, or I'm going to make it so that they don't get divorced. Right. And if they do that responsibility on is on me. And I think most people would agree that is an unhealthy kind of responsibility to take over someone's life or to be totally responsible for their decisions or anything like that. Um, now there's a healthy kind of responsibility where I think of a piano teacher and that piano teacher, I think I could probably learn how to play the piano just by plinking away in the piano for hours a day, but it would take a long time and be incredibly painful, right? And mm -hmm. and I actually don't think I'd get very far or as far as I, I maybe could if I were really dedicated to do it. I'm not a piano player, by the way, my um, some of my kids are. But with a piano teacher, someone to help and mentor and teach you what to do, those things that you can't do yourself, can be incredibly useful. Someone to look out for you, to help you along along the way, um, to say, you know, if I can, I'm going to help you, um, can be incredibly valuable in life. When we realize that we are engaging in unhealthy patterns of taking responsibility for other people's life, whether those are assumptions or those are places where we step in, where we have made what I would call an energetic agreement. This is all my fault. I will now make sure this person is happy forever. When we realize we're in this unhealthy, twisty relationship, how can we start to step out of that? Oh, I mean, I think this is one of life's great questions of how to step out of responsibility. I find that the ability to create shared boundaries with folks around us is such an important part of how to do this. So um, I know we often talk about the importance of setting personal boundaries, but I think there's also a kind of relationship boundary where you work with a, let's say your spouse or romantic partner or children or your, um, and these can change throughout your life, but setting up what the relation, what the boundary looks like around responsibility to say, um, and this can be negotiated and changed throughout your entire life of, and I'm, I'm thinking about my spouse and my, my wife is named Rachel, where we're constantly negotiating the boundaries of here are the areas where I can help you. And the goal should be that I'm, I'm here to help her progress and grow. And she's here to help me. Like, how can I help her in areas where there are gaps and where can she help me in areas where I have gaps and here are areas where, you know, responsibility might be crossing the line and we're as we constantly discuss and kind of forge those um, those relationship boundaries, I think it can really help us form tight bonds and connections with other people. And that might mean taking responsibility for my own assumptions, maybe owning owning that. Rachel, I'm sorry I was trying to run your life for you. I'm going to step back now and do it. So there's a there's a kind of a coming clean. There's a being willing. As part of making this change, it feels like there's a a being willing to say, this is what I did that wasn't in alignment. 
this is how I'm going to try to shift that. Yeah. And that there's an honesty and a forthrightness that I think you're touching on that is absolutely necessary. Does forgiveness play a part in this as well? Not just forgiving myself for making those um, assumptions, but forgiving myself in the bigger picture or receiving forgiveness? Absolutely. Um, the ability to stand back and say, I, um, I think blame is a part of responsibility that can sometimes become unhealthy where, you know, I blame that person for not taking care of me, or I blame myself for not taking care of another person where you're kind of taking on that wrong kind of responsibility. And I feel like as I step back and I say, I'm going to spend judgment when it comes to those people I love where they're doing the best they can. And I can't see exactly where they're coming from in their experience. And so I'm going to forgive them by suspending, by sus suspending that judgment against them is I think an absolutely necessary way to find that happiness and connection and really to forge a, a long lasting relationship. We all have gaps, right? We have to forgive each other. Is that part of what helps us see and build the kinds of connections that help us live a worthwhile life, a life where we're able to honor change in ourselves and change in other people? I absolutely, I think forgiveness is necessary to move forward. I think of, I think of relationships. Some people think of relationships, you kind of chisel them in stone and then they just exist and are beautiful, this beautiful, perfect relationship. You know, I found the perfect person and, um, we built this perfect relationship and then we could just enjoy it, you know, for the rest of our lives. It's going to be amazing. I don't know about you, but that is not my experience at all. Mm -mm. I find that, I find that relationships are made in wet clay where mm -hmm. you kind of build the relationship and it's kind of sagging on the edges and there are cracks. And, you know, it's like it, some parts are working and some parts aren't. And then you're constantly like reforging that relationship and kind of building it anew. And every time you build it anew, it takes a little bit of forgiveness. Like, okay, we were going down the wrong road. I forgive myself. I forgive you. We're working on those boundaries together. And every time you rebuild it, it becomes a little bit more beautiful. You know? And then, um, so I, I love the long lasting, um, ever changing, ever building kind of relationship. And that's part of the spiritual path too, right? Part of that spiritual mm -hmm. journey, that breaking down and rebuilding and breaking down and rebuilding. And with each change, with each um, cycle, growing closer and closer and closer to um, to spirit, to divine connection, whatever words you use for that, right? We get closer yeah. and closer and closer. I know that in your work, a, a, a core part of that life that's worthwhile, that being able to be um, attentive and aware, present in your own life, willing to make changes, is that deep connection with divine love. And I wonder if you can say a little bit about that, either from your from your personal experience or in the way that affects the, the people who you teach and, and work with. How important is that connection with divine love to this idea of building a worthwhile life. Yeah. I think it is absolutely imperative. And we can talk about this at a couple different levels. I mean, the the research on you call spirituality or religion or the connection with God and a sense of meaning, I mean, is is powerful. And I think it's important even if you're not a spiritual or religious person to understand it. Um and I I certainly consider myself a spiritual and religious person, but um 
talking about me personally, and I'm, I'd be curious to hear about you too, but I feel like with me, I understand that I, there's just some things that I can't do. I have some gaps, right? And I'm limited in intellect, for example. And you know, I feel myself getting older and I, used to, I, I still love climbing and hiking mountains, but I can't climb as high or run as fast as I used to be able to. I might not ever be able to recapture that speed I had when I was an, an 18 year old. So, and I think it's tempting for folks to lean on those around them and say, like, can you help me fill my own gaps? Like I have these, I have these relationship needs and these love needs, and I feel like I need these help and these things that I can't do myself. And I think that's one of the benefits of the human relationships is we can lean on each other. And it's why communities are necessary. It's because we're each imperfect. And if we were all perfect, we wouldn't have need all these social communities, but we absolutely need them because we all have gaps. But even beyond the social even beyond our social communities, there are things that even with all great friends who are doing their best, there are issues with me that I couldn't solve, right? That lack of intellect, for example. And I feel like these are areas where having that connection with God and asking God for help and leaning on God's, I don't know, comfort or grace or spirit has been incredibly important to me personally and asking me for guidance and direction. Um, I also think that when it comes to finding meaning about taking responsibility. Um, and folks outside of family, they will list religion is the most commonly cited response for what gives me meaning in life. So it is a, I would think of religion or spirituality as a meaning factory. Um, and folks can, they can take take responsibility to try to like help God by helping those around them because they see others face, they, when they look at another individual, they see God and those individuals where they kind of feel like, you know, they could see it in animals or, you know, in nature too, you can see God in there. And if you could take responsibility through gardening or through taking care of your a pet or through another, I think that some people have seen the face of God and feel like they could take responsibility for God in that way. Mm -hmm. They also feel like God can take responsibility for them and kind of help them along their way in areas where they have gaps. And I've certainly felt that in my own life. Um, there are also some areas of God that give um, God or religion or spirituality that help people find meaning. And that if with um, spirituality, it's often about connecting with other individuals and kind of helping them on their spiritual path. It's a, or, I mean, for religious folks, they might think of that as missionary work. They might call it missionary work. There's taking care of other people who are in your religious community and helping them on their spiritual path. Oftentimes spirituality and religion comes with, um, you can think of rituals or things that they do that not just bind individuals to God, but kind of bind those individuals to other people around them in the community. Um, you might think of a, like a Christian baptism is not just a, a, a promise to God, but it's a promise to everyone else in the room and in their community, their spiritual community. You can think of the teachings with it that tend to come along with spirituality and religion tend to be very community focused and helping to take care of those in need and um, you know, the, the widows and poor and the vulnerable, um, that that can be a big part of religion. And then also those who are part of um, spiritual or religious communities, they have others that say, I'm going to that take responsibility for them. And when someone takes responsibility for you, it can be a powerful way to feel like, you know, you matter. You know, like someone is willing to reach out for me and mentor me, kind of help me and, you know, maybe help me move or bring me over a casserole when I'm sick, like those types of things can be incredibly important um, in making people feel like they matter. You're listening to Out of the Fog, and I'm talking with Michael Westover. His new book is A Worthwhile Life, How to Find Meaning, Build Connection, and Cultivate 
purpose. You can find more at echoesofmeaning.com. I'm thinking about where we started the show, where, where people get to a place in our lives where we say, is this all there is? And, and for me personally, that connection to divine love, that connection to which the way that I look at the world, the source that moves all things, that is in all things, there's a reminder that what, who I am, what I do, all the mistakes I made, and the, maybe the okay things I do sometimes are all a part of, of more. And so when it comes to looking for meaning, looking for purpose, looking for building a worthwhile life, for me personally, it's about how can I find the places where I can do more, give more, receive more, learn more, perceive more, love more, open more deeply to the world around me, whether that's other people or it's finding spirit in nature or in a million other ways. And I think that's, that's, you were asking about me. That's, I think how I would answer that question. It's the, it, there's gotta be more. Yes, there is more. And the more is remembering that we are all of us, regardless of the labels you use to define yourself, all of us part of something more. I love mm -hmm. that. I love that. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I am a huge fan of experiments. So of taking worthwhile experiments and just trying things out um, and seeing what can actually provide meaning in your life. And there's some directions you might want to go. And, you know, there's some research that says, here's some categories of things that can provide meaning, but I, I can give you an example of an experiment that I, that I tried and each of these can be painful, like change is hard. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, I tell the story in my, in my book about um, my, my wife signed me up to be my son's t-ball coach. And I had this, huge moment, this, this moment of anxiety in my life where I thought, I don't have time for this. I can't be on time for practice. I don't, I'm not even a huge baseball fan. I'm, I haven't played baseball in 25 years <laughs> and I, I don't, I, I can't do this. This is too much. And all the responsibility and emails for the, I can't do this. It's too much. And I was about to call the league and say, I can't, I can't do it. But my kid looked me in the eye and said, can you please, I'd really like this. And I tried it out. And I will tell you, there's nothing better than watching that you know, six-year-old hit the ball and then run off in the wrong direction because the first <laughs> time he's playing the game, I mean, it's adorable and fun and you're helping them grow. And I, I've turned from, this is something scary and hard. And based on that experiment, now I've, I try to coach my kids' volleyball teams. And I just, I've, I've loved that experience. It's, I feel like it's something that I've been able to see the kids grow and it's given me a sense of meaning in my life. And there are a million other ways that you can do that in your life too. For people who might be feeling like they're in a slump, for people who aren't feeling the magic or the forgiveness or the more than or the connection with the divine, for people who are looking at themselves in the mirror and going, is this all there is? And they really don't know the answer. How can how can we start to get out of that slump? Yeah, I... I would say the first step, and this is something that I've fallen into in the past, is to is to not wait. I feel like many, um, and maybe this has been my life, but many times we'll say in our lives, you know, I will, I, I feel like I need to, you know, become perfect before I can go out and help another individual. Or, you know, I'm going through some pain. And so, and I need to make sure that I'm not going through any pain or any difficulty in my life uh, before I kind of reach out and try something new. And I find that even through my pain, 
that and everybody suffers. Everybody struggles with something. Um, I think as you get to know everyone, I get to, those who I don't see as suffering, I just don't know them well enough. Um, mm-hmm. That if if you're willing to just step out and say, regardless of my pain, I'm going to give a little bit. I'm not, that doesn't mean everybody has a different level of what they can give, but just think about, even though I am suffering, what is the thing that I can give today? And maybe it's just a smile. You know, you're going to walk and someone walks by and you smile at them. I know when people walk by, when I'm going on my runs throughout my neighborhood and someone smiles at me, you know, I feel uplifted through that moment. Maybe you have a pet and you can just take on a walk, right? That pet needs you. Maybe you have a garden, just a little thing. And then you could try to build those. Um, think about what do you have to give to the world? You know, maybe maybe you write, maybe you sing, maybe you dance, maybe you just, maybe you have time. Maybe you have a loving heart. Maybe you're good at giving hugs. I mean, it can be a long list of things, but just think about what can you do, even though you are suffering to reach out and help someone in need. I I feel confident that if you can do that, and when you see that feedback coming back to you of either a thank you, or you can see the benefit in their life, that that currency of um, the them being grateful or the currency of you being able to see that you made a difference will make you feel like you're ma- like you matter in that moment. Mm. Because of course, we're the ones who are in need. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go outside and smile at you while you pass on the run, you might feel good about that, but I might've been the one who really needed to give that smile. Exactly. Right? So we are people in need, helping others in need. I have listeners who smile because I say this a lot, but I have up here on above my desk, a quote from Ian McLaren. It says, be kind for everyone you meet is fighting a hard battle. We never, ever know, not really what someone else is going through or what their story is. So our willingness to show up, to be present, to give that smile or drop a card in the mail or pick up something that they dropped and didn't realize it, that can make a huge difference in somebody's life. And it helps ours too. Yeah. You you could even say take an extreme perspective and say that we need to have personal weaknesses to find meaning because your personal weakness, Karen, um, is something that you know, maybe I could help you with, right? That gap. And it's why you need me. And then my personal weakness is why I need you or the people around me. We need to build each other up and support each other in those those moments of weakness and difficulty. And we need to teach each other and help each other grow. And it's why we need community. So I, I, sometimes I, I find it very annoying, all of my personal weaknesses, right? But I, but I find that that, that those weaknesses are an opportunity for another individual to feel like their life matters. Oh, that's beautiful. Can you let the listeners know how they can find a copy of the book and how they can read more of your writing? Yeah, they they can go to Echoes of Meaning um, and and sign up for my um, my weekly email. Uh, I tend to write very much about human relationships and connections. It's just really how can people find like their their lives matter. Beautiful. So Echoes of Meaning dot com. Echoes of Meaning dot com. Yes. Thank you. So in just the few seconds we have left together, what would you most like listeners to take away from this? What do they need to know about their lives? I would like people to know um, that they can feel like their lives matter and that not just that they can feel like their lives matter, but that that they actually do matter. That I don't know if you've, I know I have a, a beta fish, right? And when I feed that beta fish every day, that beta fish needs me to survive. 
And I feel like for that moment, as long as I have responsibility on this earth, that, that I matter. You know, we also have turtles or I have the people, my coworkers who report up through me in, in the office or, you know, people in your community by knowing their names that you can make a difference and that you matter. That's what I would like people to know. That is beautiful. Michael, thank you for talking with us. Thank you so much, Karen. I've been talking with Michael Westover. He's the author of A Worthwhile Life, How to Find Meaning, Build Connection, and Cultivate Purpose. You can find out more about Michael and his work. You can read his blog, um, sign up to um, for his newsletter at echoesofmeaning.com. And of course, you're always welcome at karenhager.com. It's a good place to find out about upcoming classes and events. You can even book a private session with me there if you're so inclined. And if you follow Fog City Psychic on Instagram, the fun continues there. You'll find more out of the Fog content, occasional pictures of Maisie the dog looking cute, which is hard because she mostly sleeps. She's either sleeping or running really fast in like into mud. And so it's hard to get those good pictures, but I'm trying. So there's occasional pictures of Maisie the dog and you can find out what Jigsaw Puzzle is secretly delighting me these days. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.